All right. So welcome to this week's episode of The Loser Hour, uh, episode seven. And this week on the loser list, I am going to discuss the uh, AEW Double or Nothing show. I just got done watching that one. So I'm going to discuss that. We're going to talk about some uh, Major League Baseball, you know, uh, week seven and eight, seeing that I didn't get to it last week. A little bit of like, you know, NBA Finals preview and a Stanley Cup Finals uh, preview. And then I'll end it with talking a little bit of TV, some HBO miniseries, Chernobyl, and the new Viceland miniseries um, uh, called The Wrestlers. So before I dive into all that, though, uh, give us a follow over at, on the social medias um, on the Twitter account. It's uh, at Loser Hour. And then at the Facebook account is also at Loser Hour. And you can stream us on um, wherever you get your your podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and um, right now working on iTunes. So let's jump right into it. This uh, AEW Double or Nothing show. Wow. I just got done watching it. It's fresh on the brain. So, yeah, I really want to I'll, I'm jump right into it. It started off, you know, the pre-show was on um, on YouTube, was having some issues on their YouTube stream to get it up. So I missed the first probably seven minutes of, of the Battle Royal. So I missed the first two groups kind of entering. So when I turned it on, I, I had, you know, I, there was um, like Jungle Boy was out there and Pillman Jr. was in the ring and MJF and... So I didn't really get to see uh, uh, Ty Dillinger, Sean Spears now. Uh, he was out there. I, so I didn't see who's in group one and two, but then I got to see the group three and four come out, and then I got to see Hangman come out there. So, yeah, there was there was quite a bit of guys. Ace Romero, uh, Marco Stunt. Um, I do not know the guy that doesn't have legs, but he was out there. Um, Billy Gunn was in it. This was an entertaining battle royal for sure. Definitely a good way to kick off like a pre-show. And yeah, it was fun hangman getting the win and it was like, you know, MJF he uh he got thrown through like the middle rope and then hangman eliminates um I can't remember who he eliminates, but he eliminates someone thinks he wins the match. MJF comes in, dumps him over like the whole typical, you know, thing that WWE kind of always does and then hangman you know, he hangs on, he hits the, the buckshot lariat, and then he throws MJF out and wins the match. So, yeah, Hangman wins that one. I kind of had a feeling that that's what Hangman was going to be doing now that he wasn't wrestling Pac. So, yeah, that's what they did with that one. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, inter- entertaining way to start off the show. And then we got our um, our singles match, the first ever singles match for AEW, uh, Kip Sabian versus uh, Sammy Guevara. And I had never seen Kip Sabian before. I've seen a few of Sammy Guevara's matches, and I knew Guevara was pretty good. And this match was really good, really, really fun opening match, you know, just two high-flying guys going out there and doing a bunch of cool shit. Really funky selling from, uh, from Guevara, but... For some reason, it stands out, and, you know, I, I like it. Kip Sabian gets the win in this one, and uh, I thought that was really cool. You know, a good, good, good way to show off somebody that, that not a lot of people have heard of. So, yeah, no, no problems. Good way to, to kick off the, the, the pre-show and everything and get the, get the whole night started. 
So then they opened the the actual pay per view card, which um, I I watched it on the the Bleacher Report app and uh, streamed it on on the Fire Stick on the the Bleacher Report app, Bleacher Report Live, no problems. So, and you know, I, no complaints. Paying fifty dollars, I split it with my roommate, twenty five dollars each. That's not that fucking much. So all the people that were complaining, all the fucking marks complaining on Twitter. It's just so dumb. Like, don't you guys have friends like that you watch wrestling with? Like, don't you have people that you know that you watch wrestling with? Like, it's not that if $50 is that much to split with a couple people, like shit, you split it three ways and it's like 17 bucks. So, I mean, it's really not that bad. 25 bucks is nothing. So yeah, we streamed it on, on Bleacher Report Live, started it right away, got, you know, got the SCU starting it off against the strong hearts. Um, it was uh, SEMA, and then what's uh, T-Hawk and Lindemann or whatever, L. Lindemann or something. Yeah, I'd never seen Stronghearts. And, yeah, this was really good. This is a really good six-man match. I'm going to say that a lot throughout this this episode. This is really good because, yeah, this show was – this match was, was a great way to kick off the show, showing you guys kind of like, hey, this is what this six-man – this is what – AEW is going to bring to the table. And this is what these guys from from the OWE are going to bring to the table. And yeah, it was really cool. SEU gets the win. A lot of really innovative trios, like tag man- maneuvers, you know, from SEU. It was really good stuff. So then we have, we go to the, we you know, it was booked as a triple threat. It's Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, and, and Kylie Ray. They all make their entrances. Brandy comes out, you know, says she doesn't want this match to just be great. She wants it to be awesome. And out comes Awesome Kong, which is a big surprise. You know, huge pop for Awesome Kong. Nobody really, I, I don't think anybody expected that. I sure as hell didn't expect that. And yeah, this was really fun too. This match was really fun. There was a lot of cool spots that they did. You know, they had um, the ending was really good. How Nyla, uh, or Nyla Rose, uh, what, what the hell, Nyla Rose? Yeah, she she um, she speared Awesome Kong into the stairs, and then it goes to you know Britt Baker and, and Kylie Ray duking it out in the ring, and Britt Baker wins with the, the nasty looking Uji Kuroshi. Yeah, that was a good match. Good match. Most of this, sh- most every match on the show was good. No complaints at all. We go to this this match right here is probably my favorite match of the night. This one for for me at least, like this in the Young Bucks match, damn near stole the show. This the the Young Bucks matches was just you know that's a Young Bucks match. I'll get to that one, but the. The best friends against Angelico and Jack Evans. This fucking match was oh, it was so good. There were so many crazy spots, so many parts where I was just like, "Holy shit!" Fucking, I can't believe they they're doing this. Like, and I've seen Jack Evans a ton of time. I've seen Angelico a bunch in Lucha Underground, and I've seen a couple of his his AAA matches. And then the best friends, you know, Beretta and Chuck Taylor. 
I really enjoyed this match. They, uh, the storytelling and everything, the comedy spots they were doing, all of it. This is like this is tag team wrestling right here. This is what we all want to see. So yeah, this was just for me my match of the night. Like I'm tied with this one. So then we go to the the six woman tag team match with um, the Joshu girls and the 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 Sheeta and then there was uh there was two two girls named Riho one was but they were spelled differently and then there was uh Aja Kong and the uh, Sakazaki girl and then um uh, the other girl I think was uh, Sakura or something something like that I had never seen any of these women but I had seen Aja Kong and uh yeah, this match was really fun too. I was I, I blown away by the one girl who uh, I I'm not sure which one she is, but she they were saying she's only 21, and you know I was like, wow, yeah. The, the announcing on this show was great, and they were yeah they were pointing out a bunch of little f- facts about these girls that was like, wow, she's only 21, she's been wrestling for 13 years, holy shit. And yeah, other than the the you know botched ring bell bullshit, it it hurt the finish a little bit. But yeah, this was a hell of a match. Bunch of crazy spots. Really enjoyed this one. Really enjoyed this whole entire show. I mean, really, like, I haven't seen a, a wrestling show like this in quite some time, you know, other than New Japan shows. But sometimes New Japan shows, there are a lot of tag matches and stuff like that. And it's just. So, on to the next is uh, Brother versus Brother. Cody versus Dustin. Fuck, man. This match, you know, opens with, with Cody coming out, and there's a throne on the stage, like obvious Triple H thing, and, you know, he, Brandy gives him a sledgehammer, and he goes and destroys the throne. I, I thought that was hilarious. It's like, oh, my God, of course. And then, you know, they do their whole their whole thing, you know. After the entrances, they kind of soak it all in and you can see the emotions and everything. And it's like, I, I, I looked over at my roommate and I was just like, you know, this is for dusty. I was just like, yep. And it's like, they, this whole match was like, this match was for dusty and it was awesome. The mimicking each other type of thing, you know, the beginning was, was fun. And then the, the whole like, turnbuckle thing and then the blade job and then just bleeding so much blood from Dustin holy shit he was bleeding all over the place and then just making it so believable by oh he can't see in the announcing and holy shit man this was an emotional ride and encountering each other towards the end finally Cody winning with uh, what was it the his, his finish I don't know what the hell it's called but and then he comes down and says, you know, I want you to be my tag team partner, and we're gonna face the Young Bucks at at the uh, fight for our fall, our fight for the Fallen show. So Dustin sticking around, which is cool. And yeah, this was this was a fucking awesome match. They definitely made their dad proud on this one for sure. And this, yeah, that people are gonna talk about this match for a while. I mean, just it. it 
it was it was up there. But then there was the Bret Hart segment where they unveiled the championship. Fun little breather, you know. The championship is really cool looking. It's a big da- big ass belt. Then uh, we got the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros. Only title on the line for the AAA tag titles. And yeah, this is like the match. The, both the tag matches kind of tied for my match of the night. And this one's like much of the same from the best friends and and Helico Jack Evans match. A lot of crazy high spots that are like, what the fuck? That shit that Ray Phoenix did where, you know, he, he kicked one or he had one, he had one of the bucks and then he had one, you know, on the rope and then he springboarded up and flipped one off. And it was like, Oh my God. I, I think throughout this match, I was saying, Holy shit. Like, are you fucking kidding me? How the fuck are they guys like, and I had seen their match a few years ago in PWG and was pretty much saying the same thing. Like, holy fucking shit, dude. Like these fucking guys are absolutely insane. And I mean, everybody knows that the young bucks are fucking amazing and the the Lucha bros are fucking amazing. So just think about what there was just high spot after high spot, but then great selling Great story told. The Young Bucks win with the Meltzer driver. They, you know, they had hit every move in the book. They pulled out the finish they that they were using against the Motor City Machine Gun, or the motor. They pulled out the Motor City Machine Guns finish. They pulled out the uh, finish that Kevin Owens and uh, Sami Zayn used when they were, you know, Steen and El Generico. And so yeah, I, this match was fucking awesome. And then we go to the main event. So the main event, Jericho Omega, Alpha Omega 2. Jericho's entrance was cool. Omega's entrance was really cool. This match, fuck. Like, say what you will about Jericho. Dude's fucking damn near 50 years old and still kicking ass. Like, he's fucking awesome. He's always been one of my favorite wrestlers to watch, too. So yeah, I I love what he does and I loved this match and and I thought it was cool that he he wins, he wins with his new finish, the the Judas effect, that spinning back elbow. A lot of people are like, "Oh, I'm seeing already people complaining about it." It's like, "Oh, come on, man. Like this sets up a a good dynamic for your first title match. You got Hangman and Jericho. It's a heel versus babyface, you know. You got the good dynamic. You, you know, but and, and with the way things are kind of going, you know, you can you could put the title on Hangman, you, Jericho, you know, you, or you could put the title on Jericho and then Jericho Omega Three for the title, and you know, it's it, and they are one and one, you know. Either way, you can you can sell this pretty well. So this match was really good. My uh, internet connection sucked. I was we were so pissed. Like right when this match is ramping up, you're like, okay, the the finish is coming soon. I can feel it, and our internet connection just cuts out. Not my stream. So this isn't Bleacher Report's fault. This is my fucking internet. This is Comcast's fucking fault. So this shit cut out for like three, four minutes. Right when it came back, like literally right when it came back, we saw the finish where he hits the Judas Effect wins. So it's like, fuck. Like we missed whatever happened in between. But I'll go back and, and watch it. 
But yeah, that then he hits it and then grabs a mic, tells everybody, you know, he's gonna get what he wants. This apology or this uh, thank you from everybody, you know, that this is all Jericho's doing. You know, typical Jericho stuff. I love it. He gets heat. People are booing him, and then, boy, was I wrong. Out comes John Moxley, former Dean Ambrose, and yeah, I said a couple weeks ago on on the show that I thought that video looked too produced, and you know that that was like, oh, they're just this WWE's way of rebranding him or whatever. Boy, was I wrong. I mean, I, it's just like. No wonder that video was high quality. He was working with these guys. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, it was always in the back of my mind, but I figured, you know, they're not going to do that. They're not going to sign so many. They're, they're too many WWE guys so quickly, and it's like, oh, they're just going to be known as the guys that snatch WWE guys up. And But, fuck, man, Moxie comes down. You know, he hits Jericho with the fucking DDT, hits the ref with the DDT, goes to hit Kenny, but Kenny counters the... They go brawl all over the arena, and then they climb up that set on the poker chips and hits him with the DDT on the poker chips, and then he fucking throws him off the the stage onto the fucking throws him off the chips onto the stage. It's like, damn, dude, fucking way to make an entrance. So yeah, that for their first show, all those people that were saying, oh, they're just a t-shirt company, and they announced a bunch of matches for the next couple shows and i forgot to even talk about it they announced going back to the sears center in chicago for all out and i believe that's in august i don't i don't know when that show is but yeah that's or it's in september or something i don't i don't know but yeah they're going back this was awesome they're not just a t-shirt company this show was fucking sick i hope this is what like I hope the beginning of how like the end of the pre-show and the beginning of the show, I hope that's how like it was like being the elite but with high production. I hope that's how the weekly TV show is, and I hope like, you know the, everybody that they had signed got a good way of like getting a, a spotlight. Like during the whole Bret Hart thing, you had Jungle Boy and MJF and Jimmy Havoc, and you had them all kind of interact. And then, oh, yeah, I didn't even talk about uh, at the end of the Best Friends and Helico-Jack Evans match, you know, they're they're going to embrace and the lights go out and then the lights come back on and there's these there's this big old fat luchador-looking guy fucking creepy mask on and some dude in a kilt and then the lights go back off and come back on and there's a bunch of dudes fucking in lucha masks and they're fucking, they just go after all the guys and they tear them down and, yeah, that shit was fucking awesome. I do not know who those guys are. People in the crowd were chanting, who are you? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, or who are these guys or whatever. So, yeah, this show is really sick. I hope they can continue this and, and you know, make make an alternative and make make all this this stuff fun, you know, because this is just wrestling supposed to be fun, and the show was so much fun. Every single match I enjoyed. And then, you know, my buddy Nick was there. I just kept saying to my to my roommate Cody, fuck Nick, like, Fuck man, I'm so jealous. So he'll he's gonna come on in a couple of weeks and talk about his experience being there in the arena, and we'll get into the matches more deep. But uh, I'm gonna move on to to some baseball talk. We're gonna get into week seven and week eight of of the MLB season, and I'm just gonna kind of run over the the 
the standings right now, the records and everything, and then see some some news stories and stuff like that that I kind of want to talk about that I thought were interesting over the last week, two weeks. So right now, at uh, start with the American League. At the top of the American League East, the New York Yankees, they've been on an absolute tear, 34-17. and 17. They're 9-1 and one out of their last 10, seven-game winning streak. They're injured to all hell. I mean, fuck, they're half their team's injured. They get judges out, Giancarlo's out, fucking Severino's out. So many fucking people are injured on this team. They're getting guys back slowly, and, and they're keeping up at this, this pace. That means that, you know, when they get full strength, holy shit, I don't want to know what this team can do. And then uh, three games behind them in second place, you have Tampa Bay, 30-19. and 19. They're sliding a little bit, but I still believe in Tampa Bay. Six and four out of their last ten. Boston in third, 27 and 25. Uh, Boston's still trying to find it. They're not completely there, but they're not, you know, they're 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 the Red Sox. They got they dug themselves in a hole. And I as I've previously said in this division, you don't want to do that with the Yankees and, and with Tampa Bay. You don't want to do that. So yeah, they're they're 27 and 25, 5 and 5, their last 10 games. Boston needs to step it up. They're the defending champs. Uh, bottom of the division. You have uh, fourth place, Toronto. They're rebuilding. Toronto has been cool. Like they're, they have a bunch of these young players. They got Vlad Jr. They just called up Craig Biggio's son, and they also have uh, Bo Brissett Jr. And he he uh, like th- th- this like they th- and they have Lord, Lord, uh, Guriel Jr. So they have a bunch of like former baseball players, kids. And I've said this before. I think baseball needs to focus more on these kids that that are from players that um, that you know they they have their dads that played or their grandfathers that have played stuff like that. And then uh, Baltimore, at the bottom of the division, they're sixteen and thirty six. They're two and eight. Their last ten. The Yankees put a pounding on them. Glaber Torres, man, he put a pounding on them. He's hit. I think they said he's hit 14 home runs this year and 10 of them against Baltimore. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, how the fuck do you hit that? Like, it's crazy. That's fucking crazy. Or 12 home runs or something. I don't know what it is. But, yeah, he he, he should be starting every single time that they play Baltimore because, yeah, he he, he rakes against Baltimore. That's just how it goes. Um, the American League Central, you have the Minnesota Twins at the top of the division. Coming out of nowhere, the Minnesota Twins are my sleeper team. And uh, 35 and 16 at the top, top of the division, nine and one out of their last 10, just like the New York Yankees. They're on fire. They're hitting home runs left and right. Their pitching is, is doing everything right. Yeah, Minnesota, man, taking over that division because Cleveland is struggling, struggling to find their way this year. And that's the, you know, it's kind of what happens to these teams when the injury bug hits, you know, they've lost Kluber and they've had um, Santana out and their lineup hasn't been producing. There's been a revolving door in the outfield, much like the giants. They've, you know, they've brought in Hanley Ramirez and cut him. They've brought in Carlos Gonzalez and cut him. You know, it's just, they're trying to find their stick after letting Brantley go. So they're 26 and 25. They're, um, you know, they're, they're four and six out of the last ten. It's not good. They're sliding big time in that division. 
Um, third place, White Sox. They're 23 and 28. They're four and six as well. Their last 10, you know, the White Sox are bad. Detroit is bad. Kansas City's bad. Detroit's in fourth place, 19 and 30. And Kansas City is 17 and 34. So, yeah, these teams are bad bottom of the barrel so it's you know it's going to be between cleveland and minnesota but the way minnesota's playing right now cleveland's got to step it up so the american league west you have the uh houston astros 35 and 18 7 and 3 of their last 10 kicking ass much like expected houston it's going to be a slugfest with houston and oakland um surprisingly in second place, coming from the bottom of the division a few weeks ago, Texas Rangers. They're twenty-five and twenty-three. They've been on a tear lately. They're eight and two. A lot of young players for them on that team. Hunter Pence, man, whew, having a really good year. Glad to see that. You know, he was close to just ending his career. A lot of people didn't think he had anything left. To, so see him in Texas and the numbers that he's having and the season he's having. Hell yeah, it's awesome. Eight and two of their last ten. They're on a streak. And then right behind them, 27 and 25, the Oakland A's, they're also on an 8 and 2 streak. They won tonight. And yeah, they, uh, they've been kicking ass. Oakland, they, they came from like fourth place. Texas was in last, and they were in fourth. So these two teams are now second and third. So Texas, I don't, I don't see staying in that spot. It's going to be between Oakland and Houston, most likely. Um, the Angels are in fourth at 22 and 28. And Seattle, man, fucks. And Seattle, two and eight in their last 10. They've just slipped. They started hot. And then, boom, they were that team like Seattle and Tampa Bay both started hot. But I knew Tampa Bay had it in them, and Seattle didn't because Seattle's just this team that they were expecting to rebuild. And I, you know, at the time, a few weeks ago, I was saying that, you know, look, everybody expected this team to be nothing. And, They've fallen back down to earth. They started very hot. And that's usually sometimes how it happens. And when you play the teams as good as you do in that division, you're not going to, you have to be really good. So over to the National League, National League East, you have Philadelphia Phillies at the top of the division, 31 and 21. They're 7 and 3 of their last 10. Philly's been playing really good baseball all year. Uh, not just the addition of Bryce Harper helped that. It's it's the addition of of McCutcheon and and Real Muto, just getting better all around. So yeah, the, the Philadelphia Phillies get, gonna be a threat in the East. Atlanta Braves twenty nine and twenty four, also seven and three of their last ten. Atlanta's starting to pick up some steam. Some of their young players starting to to kill it. Austin Riley getting called up, playing the outfield, hitting home runs like crazy. Kid's gonna be a stud. The Mets slipping, twenty-five and twenty-six, five and five of their last ten. Washington is twenty-one and thirty-one. They have not found it at all this year. Uh, kind of surprising to me. I thought Washington would be fine without Harper and with the pitching staff they have, but their bullpen has just been awful. And I, I, ha- I still have faith Washington will turn it around. But right now they're twenty-one and thirty-one. It's not good. Miami is sixteen and thirty-three. That may be them in in. Baltimore right here 
is, uh, yeah, that's the worst records in baseball. So Miami's the worst team in the National League, and Baltimore's the worst team in the American League. So, yeah, Miami sucks. Uh, National League Central, Chicago Cubs are 30-20, and 5-5 five and five of their last 10. Chicago has been killing it for, like, the past three, four, three, four weeks. And, oh, they're at the bottom of the division or fourth place. Everybody, oh, look, at the, the Cubs have completely fallen off. The, no, the Cubs are still there. They're still a threat. They're, they're right there. Milwaukee's right behind them, though, 29 and 24, 5 and 5 of their last 10. So there's, you know, the Cubs and, and the Brewers are both kind of struggling right now. But everybody in their division is struggling. Pittsburgh is 25 and 24. They're 4 and 6 in their last 10. St. Louis is 26 and 25. They're 4 and 6 in their last 10 and Cincinnati is 23 and 28. They're they're 5 and 5 in their last 10. So everybody is kind of just struggling to get wins in that division, keeping kind of things right where they're at right now. So I I believe the Cubs and the Brewers are going to be there and then so are the Cardinals, you know. That's just how it is. And then to the National League West, the Dodgers at the top of the division, 34 and 18. The Dodgers have been red hot. Dodgers and Yankees are are pretty much the top two teams right now, and then you'd have the Houston Astros in that conversation as well. They're uh, eight and two of their last ten. They're killing it. Um, San Diego is behind them, twenty eight and twenty four, uh, six and four of their last ten. Arizona has twenty seven and twenty five. Surprisingly, they're they're on fire lately. They've been playing very good baseball. Uh, the Colorado Rockies are 23 and 27 and then my poor piss poor Giants are 21 and 30 at least they're not as bad as the Miami Marlins so things could be worse uh they're 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 not record wise it goes Miami Baltimore Kansas City Detroit then San Francisco so uh, maybe uh Washington's in that conversation too, the Nationals. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and Toronto. Toronto's in that conversation. So, you know, things could be worse. Things could be much worse. So, a couple, like, interesting stories I saw. Um, Padres, franchise record, seven home runs, beat the Jays today. Like, Damn. Uh, Hunjin Ryu with the Dodgers. 32 scoreless innings streak ended. Wow. 32 scoreless innings for Hunjin Ryu. What the fuck? Where did, like... <sighs> Nolan Arenado hit his 200th career home run. That dude is a fucking freak of nature. I've seen him play a couple times in person. And, yeah, he's just... Fuck, man. Colorado's lucky to have that guy. So then... I saw this article that MLB posted, and it was like, here's the MLB's nine most exciting players. I was like, oh, i got to check this out. So the the list they have, number one, they have Mike Trout. No disagreement there. Mike Trout's awesome. He's very exciting to watch. Number two, Christian Yelich. No argument there. Christian Yelich is awesome. He, he's bro- he broke out. Last year, had a great season. He's fallen it up this year. I believe he's got 20 home runs now. Him and uh, Bellinger are going to duke it out all year for MVP. And because I hate the Dodgers, go Christian Yelich. 
Uh, third, which is like, what? Josh Hader, uh, the Brewers. So, yeah, I mean, Hader's awesome. He's a great he's a great uh, pitcher. He's closing this year for them, and he's dominant. Dude throws fucking hard. But, wow, he's number three in the most exciting players. Didn't expect that. Uh, Javi Baez is fourth, the shortstop for the Cubs. Fifth is Cody Bellinger. Sixth is Byron Buxton. Very surprised by that one. Buxton's always been really good, but he's breaking out this year. He's always been really good defensively. Never kind of had that much with the bat like everybody thought he would. He was a top prospect, but he's seeming to break out this year. Um, seven is Justin Verlander. And um, then we have eight is Max Scherzer. You know, okay, Verlander and Scherzer, your pitchers on there. Nine is Joey Gallo. I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. You know, Gallo is like, he hits balls far in this weird home run era, but the dude bats like 185. Like, when he's not hitting home runs, he's fucking striking out. So, like, what's exciting about that? But he's the last guy on that list. I was like, what the fuck, dude? Like, and that got me heated, man. That got me hot. No Mookie bets. How dare you? How dare you guys? And I'm not even a huge Red Sox fan. I just love that fucking guy, and he's a great player. He's a five-tool player. He's super exciting, and he's super fun to watch. He's slumping, so that's a stupid list. That's a list that you made based off of eight weeks in the season, not the most exciting players to watch in the current era of baseball. You excluded players that are having down years so far into this season. Fuck you, MLB. I don't like it. I don't approve. (laughs) so moving on i'm gonna just touch on uh so toronto the raptors they uh the nba finals they they won tonight beating the bucks i was disappointed because i i've been watching a little bit of i didn't catch this because i was watching double or nothing but i've been watching a little bit of of the NBA playoffs and i've been watching a lot of the bucks and i just because i like Giannis and and that fucking team's been fun to watch. So I was, you know, Toronto's good. I like Kawhi as well. So it's going to be Toronto against Golden State, the Warriors against the Raptors. Game one is Thursday. And um, Thursday, May 30th, in Go- uh, there are Golden State's uh, in Toronto. And then game two is Sunday, June 2nd, and they're also in Toronto. Game three will be Wednesday, June 5th in Golden State. Oakland, I should say. Uh, Friday, June 7th is game four, also in Oakland. And then game five, if necessary, June 10th. They're back in Toronto. Game six, if necessary, is June 13th. They're back in Oakland. And game seven will be in Toronto, if necessary, June 16th. So, yeah, that's going to be a fun series. The Warriors, um, you know, the Warriors are the Warriors. They they should probably win this, but hopefully the Raptors give them a little, little, little bit of a run for their money. It'll be, it's cool to see, you know, a, at least one different team in the finals, but I don't really have a pro- I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I don't really have a problem with the Warriors. I just, I, people, people complain, oh, they went and they got a super team. They went and fucking got Durant and blah, 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 blah. But a lot of those guys, they, they are homegrown, you know, that the kind of core three that they have core four or whatever. A lot of those guys kind of came f- from their system. This Steph and clay and Draymond. on that. Those guys are, are their guys. So yeah, 
you can't hate him for going out and getting a guy like Durant so that they can win titles. Like they had won a title without him, and they're like, let's go get him and then crush every year. So it's like whatever, and then it changed the NBA. All these other teams want to be the Warriors. So it's like okay, hate on them all you want, whatever. But this should be a good series. I'm gonna watch a little bit of it. Whenever it's on, I'll watch it. So the um, jump over to the Stanley Cup, uh, the Stanley Cup Finals here. Uh, so go Boston, go Boston, go go Bruins. Monday is game one, and uh, it's between the Blues and the Bruins, St. Louis Blues and the Boston Bruins. Game two is Wednesday, the uh, 29th of May. Game three is Saturday, the 1st of June. Game four, Monday, the 3rd of June. Game five, uh, if necessary, will be Thursday, uh, the 6th of June. Game six, if necessary, the 9th of June, and it looks like the 11th will be game seven, if necessary. So that one, I'm definitely going to be watching the Stanley Cup Finals. I really have enjoyed the playoffs I've been watching, even though the Sharks didn't get it done. (sighs) As depressing as it is, they didn't get it done. Go Boston. And, I mean, at least the Blues, they haven't been there in years, okay? And they were dead last at, like, the All-Star game or whatever, the All-Break. They were dead last, and then now they're in the Stanley Cup Finals. So (coughs) it's pretty crazy. So now I'm going to end this week's show with a little bit of, like, TV talk. I'm going to talk about the new HBO miniseries Chernobyl. Um, And then I'll end it with the uh, Viceland miniseries The Wrestlers. So Chernobyl, the miniseries, it's uh, five episodes. Um, they're three episodes in. And, yeah, it's uh, a dramatization of, of the nuclear reactor, you know, explosion that happened in Chernobyl and the cleanup and everything involved with it. It's based on a book. It's uh, directed by... Uh, what's his name? Johan Rennick. And uh, I looked up to see who he was, and I'd never really heard of him. I guess he's direct. he directed a couple episodes of uh, Breaking Bad and directed an episode of uh, Walking Dead. So, I mean, he's directed TV. This is really well shot, though. It's HBO. It's great quality. It's starring um, Jared Harris. He's um, he's a well-known like character actor. He, he played... Um, uh, Lane in Mad Men. He played uh, David in Fringe. He's King George in The Crown, and then he um, he's also been in like um, he's in Mr. Deeds. He's in Curious Case of Benjamin Button. He's in Lincoln. He's in Allied. He's in all kinds of stuff. So you would recognize his face. He's the main character in this show. He plays um, this phys- nuclear physicist, uh, Valerie Lagosov. And he's a real life character, and then the other um, main character you kind of follow is Stellan Skarsgård, and he's also like a really well known Swedish actor. He's one of the Skarsgårds, you know. Uh, he's in Pirates of the Caribbean. He's in uh, Girl with the. Dra- I always remember him from Girl with the Dragon Tattoo as the villain in that because he's so fucking weird and creepy. But he's he's in Goodwill Hunting. He's in all kinds of good movies. Hunt for Red October. 
Um, he's in Age of Ultron. So yeah, he Stellan Skarsgård. You'd notice him when you see him. You'd know who he is. But he plays um, this like uh, he's the deputy chairman of the Council of, of Ministers, uh, the head of the Bureau of Fuel and Energy, and his name is Boris uh, Shervina. So I'm probably gonna butcher most of these names because they're Russian. But yeah, so he's he's this council of of ministers and head of of fuel and energy for the state of the Soviet Union. And uh, Jared Harris's character, Legasov, is the deputy director of the Institute of Atomic Energy. And uh, so he this this the first episode starts off with um, you know the incident occurring. And you get to see like the you you pan over the city and everything, and you kind of get to see the explosion from from a residence in Pripyat of a firefighter that one of the characters you follow him and his wife throughout the show. So you see the explosion, see how it rocks the city, and you're like, "Whoa, what the fuck?" And then like it goes to the room, and like you don't get the power plant at all until after the explosion, which I thought was really cool. You see it happen from like the perspective of the people in the city and then boom, it happens. And then it cuts over to the control room and you're seeing the head engineer who is this fucking just total, like, um, what was his name? Uh, Diotlov. He was the engineer, chief engineer. And he looks over at one of his guys who was this like, um, what was it? Uh, Akimov was his name. He was the shift supervisor that night. And he was in charge of like the operating board and they were doing like a routine test. And supposedly all the stories of the people that were there say that he hit the, there's, there's a emergency shutoff switch that you're supposed to hit that, you know, shuts the reactor off and they're supposed to do it before the power cut. And everybody says that he, he did it. Before, before the explosion and you know people were like oh that's impossible so people thought that there was an at, fir- at first I shouldn't say people at first the the you know crew chief uh, what was his name God, these guys names just f- fucking Dyatlov he goes it was a hydrogen explosion so he sends down one of his crew people to go check it out. And they go down there and, you know, they go to the reactor hall and they see that it's fucking blown open and they come back and he, and he says, it's gone. Like I didn't go all the way in the room because it was on fire, but I, I'm pretty sure the core is fucking open. And then Dyatlov goes, no, you're you're hallucinating. You know, you you've been exposed to some radiation. You're 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 having you know dreams. Get him get him to the infirmary. You're like, "What the fuck, dude?" So then he sends down another guy, Akimov. That's who you know, he tells that guy, "Hey, go go check this out. You know, I need you to go down there and get this done." So then he sends that guy down there. He goes and checks it all out. You're like, "What the fuck?" Like so this guy's going down there. And he comes back and says the same thing. It's not there. Like, and he's like, listen, I'm going to wake up the, I'm going to have a meeting now with the 
owners of this facility and tell them when he's to be done to fix this. You guys need to go, you know, whatever you're fucking thinking, you need to, he's, he's like in hardcore denial. Like what the fuck dude? Like you've had multiple people come back and tell you now at least three people saying, listen, dude, the core is gone. One dude went into the room and came back and was like, listen, I went in there and saw it. It's fucking blown open. And he's like, you're, you're having visions. It's like, then they go down, you know, and they, he briefs like the owners of this facility and some different people. You don't really get an, an explanation of who they are, but there's just like the, uh, one guy is, uh, his name's Victor and he's the director of the, of the power plant. And then there was the other guy that was, uh, Nikolai, F- um, something. And he's the chief, he was the chief engineer. So then they had like a bunch of other people that were in there, you know, in the room talking about what's going on. And they're kind of just like bullshitting, like, Oh, just our equipment here isn't that good. And the meters are spiking, but the equipment seems to be broken. So they're all in like fucking hardcore denial about this shit. Nobody's going to go check it out. By this time you have the firefighters there. The firefighters are fucking trying to put out this fire. They don't know that they are literally at a reactor hall like with radiation coming at them to where it's like at a deadly level. Like all these guys are going to die. There's a chunk of fucking of like what looks to be rock, but it's all graphite. And one of the firefighters picks it up and he's like, look at this, it's shining. And the other guy, the firefighter that you follow in the beginning, he, th- he throws it, he tells him, put that away. And, you know, a couple minutes later, you hear a firefighter screaming and, it, and the camera goes over and he's taking his glove off and his hands just completely fucking mutilated and burning. And he's like freaking out. He, at that point, you know, the, the kid realizes, holy shit, like, I think this is graphite i think the reactor's blown open so yeah it's just it's fucked up so by the second episode you get you know this lagosov and and uh sherbina character they're they're not sherbina is part of this council you know the peace part of he's he's in the ussr so he's sitting at a council with like this head guy and you got you a kgb the operator, like the head director of the KGB is there and you got a bunch of people there, like high figures in the USSR at the time. And you have this nervous, you know, director of atomic energy and he's reading through this, this report that they all have this classified document. And he sees the whole mention of the graphite from the firefighter and this was all taken from statements, you know, after they were, they were taken to medical facilities, you know, they asked them what they were seeing and all this kind of stuff. And they're making sure that, you know, at this point they, they cut off all like that. Everybody in Pripyat are getting affected by radiation, but they don't know it and they're not allowed to leave. So they made them all not allowed to leave. So it's like, what the fuck dude? So this Lagosov guy, he, he, stands up at the they 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 end this meeting he stands up and he goes listen i'm i'm not i'm not satisfied with the way this meeting went it's it's not just it wasn't just a fire in like it wasn't a hydrogen explosion the core is is exposed it's leaking and he you know he says like there go to this page and read this about this and you know they read it and 
the kind of head of the uh, the chairman committee is like, listen, like you're nervous about a rock, and he's like, that is not a rock. It's graphite, and graphite surrounds the core, and the only way graphite would be out is if the core is exposed. So, listen, it's not just a rock. Like I know what I'm talking about. So this guy kind of thinks about it, and then that's when he tells their Shavrina character, who's the the bureau, head of the Bureau of Fuel and Energy, okay, hop in a in a aircraft and you know go check it out, and you take that Lagosov fellow with you because he seems to know things about nuclear energy and you don't. So they don't like each other because this guy's a, you know part of the USSR and the other guy's just like I'm just trying to fix this and help you guys and whatever you know, so. They go and he explains to him about nuclear power plants and how this power plant operates and this kind of stuff. And the Shravina guy kind of wants to get rid of him at that point, but realizes he can't. This guy's smarter than him. And from that point, they fly near the power plant. They see that the core is exposed. He points out that there's, see all that black soot on, on the roof? That's all graphite. The core is exposed. See that glow? That is. I, that's radiation shooting into the air. They do a, a test with a Geiger counter and it shoots spikes to the top. It's like, see, okay, now at this point, we got to clean this mess up. So it gets into the whole cleanup process and dumping the sand and bore them onto the top of the, of the exposed core to stop the burning of the fuel that was inside the core and all that craziness that goes into that. And, from there, you know, then they had this problem of the water tanks underneath the melting core were filled with water, and once the core reaches them, it would cause a explosion that would level the rest of the plant, sending more radiation into the air and killing way more than what they have at this moment and destroying part of this this that part of the whole country and and more all the way of Eastern Europe would just be fucked. So then they had, you know, they had to send guys down into um, the reactor hall and drain the water in the tanks, you know, all this radiated water. And they had to send those guys down there. They had to pretty much tell them like the, the survival rate is not high and you guys may be dead in three, three to five days. You know, they did it and, they didn't die in three to five days. Most of them survived well into their, their eighties and nineties, which I read about and was really surprised about. But then they, they, once they jumped through that hoop, they have another hoop to jump through where it's like, okay, we, we got the water out of the tank. So the explosion's done, but it's still melting through the heating pad. And if it melts through all that, it's going to go into the soil and the soil leads to this river that goes into the ocean and we're going to pollute all the water to this area. So, we can't have that. So then they had to get miners. They call them the liquidators. And they've bored underneath the power plant so that they can shoot liquid nitrogen all underneath the heating pad so that it once it burnt through the heating pad, it would hit the liquid nitrogen and everything would be fine. So it's just, wow, it's like so many different elements that they have to deal with. Like I said, five episodes, three in. And you're getting so much, you're getting to see how like the KGB is kind of following these guys around that are helping to clean up their mess and they're not talking about it at all. 
Like they're only talking about it from within their, their group, which they're allowed to, but they're not going out and spreading information and how they're just not trusted by them and just how the, the botched cleanup and how long it took to clean it up and how, you know, there's this character from a research facility in what was her name? She's, um, she's from a different power plant in, I believe, Belarus. And she, um, notices it is, um, they're, they're saying, and, and I read that this was a, it's like a composite character of a couple different people. And she's a scientist from this Institute of Nuclear Energy in Belarus. Uh, and they were part of the USSR and, and she detects it at her power plant by seeing like there's, you know, radiation in the air and on the walls, uh, on the glass. And she tests the, and she, she tests, she swabs it, tests it, sees what kind of radiation it is, realizes it comes from either Chernobyl or this other power plant calls one that's closer and realizes it's not them and then calls Chernobyl. There's no answer. She's like, it's Chernobyl. And then she kind of goes there and, and helps them realize like she's the one that tells them about the water tanks and all that kind of stuff. So her character is really interesting. And, you know, she's going around interviewing all these, uh, all the burn victims from the, all the firefighters that are pretty much dying of radiation sickness, acute radiation syndrome or whatever the hell they call it. And it's just devastating in this fucking show. Like, holy shit. It just completely like the makeup and everything completely blackens out your skin, kills all your muscles, all that kind of shit. It just was, it's disgusting. But if you have HBO, check this show out. It's really good. I'm excited for the next episode. It's two more left. It's every Monday. So yeah, definitely check that one out. And uh, so I'm going to wrap it up in the show, you know, started the show with wrestling and the show with wrestling. Uh, the new, I've been watching the vice land, um, you know, dark side of the ring series and it wrapped up and I really enjoyed that, that whole series. And now they have a new series about wrestling and it's called the wrestlers. And it's, um, the hosted by the singer of the band fucked up, uh, Damien Abraham. And he talks about how he's always been a wrestling fan and, you know, he wanted to go all around the world and see all these different types of wrestling and all this stuff. So the first episode is really sick. It, it follows, it's called the best new talent in America. And it goes and follows like Gabe Sapolsky with evolve and all of his young talent. And it's got, uh, Austin Fury, I believe his name is and Ethan page and, um, uh, Fred Yehi or whatever. How do you, however you say his name, all these different guys that are in evolve and you kind of get to see how, uh, Gabe Sapolsky runs the show and how, how things work on the, this kind of lower independent circuit. So it, it's really cool if this is how it's going to be. And the, the, from the trailer, it kind of shows that they go all around to, to different countries and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm going to be really excited if they go to like, you know, they go to Mexico and they go to see the Lucha Libre style and then they go to Japan and see the Japanese style and different promotions there. And we get a real actually look at all these different independent type of promotions and the way that it's shot and everything. It's definitely a vice land theme docu series type of thing. And the guy, you know, 
that hosts it's a you could tell he's a wrestling fan he's into everything he's got personality and yeah this show works it's really good and it's cool to see like this kind of stuff getting him on you know viceland is a big network and they're getting this coverage out there so it's really cool to see that so yeah if you if, if you have you know comcast direct tv any of that kind of stuff or even on viceland.com you can see it it's called the wrestlers it's every wednesday but yeah that's a it, it's a cool show one episode in i don't know how many they're doing for this season but yeah definitely check that one out if you're a fan of wrestling because it's really really fun so that'll do it for this week's show uh episode seven in the bag um yeah again follow us on on our social media accounts the uh facebook's loser hour the twitter's loser hour uh this episode will be up on spotify and stitcher and soundcloud and it'll be available here pretty soon you know right when i'm done so yeah uh, next week i should have my friend eric on i'm not sure what we're gonna talk about but whenever we get together we talk about crazy shit so it should be fun and then yeah in a couple weeks i'll get nick on and we'll we'll go into double or nothing whenever we get together we just talk and talk and talk last time i was like fuck man i have i have work at 6 a.m and it was like 10 30 and I still hadn't gotten food, and I was like, "Wow, I gotta wrap this up." Like we had just, and I was like, "Fuck, we could probably keep talking." So yeah, we're that's that's how it is when we get together. So yeah, but until next time, later. <laughs>